This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Time is going by quickly. My my hair has has gray in it now, right? I'm I'm not afraid of gray. I'm not going to put that, is it just for me? Oh, just for man? I'll, just for me. I was, I was in the wrong commercial, right? <laughs> I'm not going to put that just for men on there to make it black. I'm, not, I'm going to let it be gray, right? But, but those follicles are, are dying. Like, they don't, they don't work. My, my gray hair don't listen to the rest of my hair, right? My gray hair, they're rulers. Like, they're trying to tell black hairs what to do. I'm getting older. But because of Jesus Christ... That's okay. It's okay. And, and the, the reality of that, penetrating your heart, is paramount to you being faithful to God. Jesus tells us not to store our treasures where? On earth. Where rust, 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 where rust and moth can corrupt it. He says store our treasures where? In heaven. Where it will never be affected. The challenge is, do you believe the words of Jesus Christ? We had an entire year talking about Jesus Christ's words. Today, we're still talking about God's heart or his will for our lives. The problem is, when you understand what God's will is, there's this wrestling match that happens internally in us all. We have these bodies, regardless of how good we may think we look or not. 
These bodies are still affected by sin. And we, as Paul says, have to get these bodies in order so we're not disqualified for what God has called us. Now, when we look at what God's will is, our challenge is, will we surrender to God's will or will we do it our way? Because the challenge is, is God good? He tells you to do something that you don't want to do. Is he good? Or is he not so good? Is his character jaded or is he faithful? And everybody says, as long as God is doing what I want, he's good. As long as God is like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, he's good. But as soon as he tells me to do something I don't want to do, like marrying that person I don't want to marry, or not marrying that person that I want to marry, or doing anything that cuts across our will, then the challenge is, do you trust him and his character? That was the temptation with Adam and Eve. Remember, Eve was tempted eating the fruit, and Satan questioned God's character. And Eve bought into the lie. God, did God really say? Does he have your best interest in mind? And every day when we know God's word, we have to see in our hearts, are we responding properly to God's will for our lives? Does God have our best interest in mind or should we do it our way? That's what this war is all about. Is your God trustworthy? Or is he not? I give this big caveat because today we're going to talk about a topic that may be controversial the most. I talk about hard things because I love you. Because I believe I'm going to stand in front of Jesus Christ one day. And you all will be there too, hopefully. And you'll hear Jesus Christ judge me. The Bible says if you teach the scriptures, you'll be judged what? More strictly. So I'll stand in front of Christ and be judged more harshly than anybody else who's not a teacher. But we'll all be judged nonetheless. So I genuinely believe I have to be careful regarding what I say. And I can't just say what makes you feel good because I know God's going to judge me. So I say what's the truth because I want to stand in front of Jesus and not be embarrassed because Jesus said, Oh, you compromised because you, you, didn't, you weren't trusting me or you were fearful. So I say, okay, I'll tell you the truth regardless of where that leads. Got a man named Abraham Kuyper. And if you don't know who Abraham Kuyper is, he's the guy who started the concept of worldview. Anybody ever heard of the term worldview? So this is the guy where it comes from, Abraham Kuyper. And basically, our worldview is kind of like our meta-narrative of reality. If you believe in miracles, that is a worldview. You believe in angels, that's a worldview. If you believe in redemption, that's a world, if I can go on and on. Basically, when you come to the scriptures, you come to the scriptures with an already put together, established worldview. The hope is when you engage scriptures, if it's not a biblical worldview, that worldview itself will be transformed and changed by the reading of God's word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you think like Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. This is what Abraham Kuyper says. He said, God built into the creation of a variety of cultural spheres, such as the family, economics, politics, art, and the intellectual inquiry. Each of these spheres has its own proper business and needs its own unique pattern of authority. When we confuse spheres by violating the proper boundaries of the church and state, for instance, or reducing academic life to a business enterprise, 
we transgress the patterns that God has set. What he's basically trying to say is there is a superstructure that exists in reality created by God to keep stuff in order. And regardless, if we want to believe it or not, the Bible and the words of Jesus Christ align with that order. So when you obey Jesus, you're in harmony with the creation that God has made. Now the problem is we're in the midst of a rebellion. Satan and his minions and those people who reject Jesus Christ are not trying to yield to God's will, not trying to worship God, and as a result, there's conflict. There's a war. Now, the problem is we don't war with guns, M16s, AKAs, Uzis, Rambo knives, survival knife. When I was little, I wanted a butterfly knife, right? We don't, we don't use those weapons to fight our war. How do we fight our warfare? Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> with God's Word through prayer, through praise, through obedience. Will you understand this one point that will help you when it comes to fighting this war? When we talk about demonic warfare, it only has to do with one point, obeying God's will. Every time you see demons attacking or a fallen angel, it's always to thwart God's will. So if you're in a wrestling match, in order to obey God or not, understand you're in the midst of a warfare. Hang in there. Do what God says. We're coming from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And we're going to jump to another scripture after this as well. I normally don't tie two scriptures together from different uh, books. But this time I did because it's important to understand Peter's perspective as we're going through this. Let me pray and let's jump in. Father God, in the brief time I have, I pray, Lord God, I can communicate your word effectively so that you get glory from it. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is writing this book to Gentiles. These are all people who are not Jewish people. What's interesting, why would God send Peter to the Gentiles? But nevertheless, Peter is going out to the Gentiles. Now, you have to understand Peter's background. He's a fisherman. I actually went to Israel. We went to Israel, Jared and I. And at Israel, we went into Peter's house. And we saw where Jesus stayed. I was like, where? Jesus stayed right there. And I tried to... Breathe the air real deeply, right? So some of Jesus' breath, but it, I don't know if it worked or not. But nevertheless, I thought it was doing it, right? So I'm like, that's where Jesus slept, right there. And it's under this church here. And I said, man, that's so cool. And there was a synagogue right beside it. Like Peter had money, right? He, had, he was wealthy. And this guy was smart as well. Some of Peter's writings in 1st and 2nd and 3rd Peter are some of the most advanced Greek in all, in all the Bible. And even more so, if you go to the book of Acts, when, pre, when Peter preached his first sermon and 3,000 people came to the Lord, it's one of the most eloquent, eloquent sermons in all the Bible. So Peter was not only a bold, brave man, he was a brilliant man as well, and he doesn't get enough credit for that. So let's look at what Peter says in his epistle to the Gentiles. He's actually trying to compare Old Testament types to what Gentiles were going through at the time. Now, remember, Peter is in Rome. He, he's about to die pretty soon. Remember, Jesus told him, we're going to get back to this in a little bit. Remember, Jesus told him he was about to die, and he was about to go somewhere he didn't want to go. Jesus told him he was going to die. And said, he said how he was going to die even. So he's in Rome here, getting ready, getting prepared for his death. He's been captured. Who was the emperor at this time? Nero. Nero, the same Nero that beheaded Paul. It's the same guy who basically had the authority to 
execute Peter. And when he was executed, he was executed what? Upside down, because he didn't think he was worthy. He executed the way his Lord Jesus was. So now, Peter is trying to encourage these other Gentiles who were under this heinous, evil man named Nero. Now, we know Nero didn't like Christians because, remember, Nero set what on fire? He set the city on fire. Nero did. And who did he blame? The Christians. Nero. Now, some people even can equate the the very word Nero to the, the number six, six, six. That's another story for another day. But here, let's get into what Peter's talking to the church about. He says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Now, this is tough. We just told you Nero's background. But, but, but nevertheless, Peter's saying still submit yourself to the ordinance or the institutions of man. For, for whose sake? Not for, for your sake. For whose sake? For the Lord's sake. Now, the only reason why you may have a problem with this is that if you think God is obligated to give me here on the earth everything I want, if you have a problem with this, if you have this perspective that, okay, now that I'm saved, it's all peaches and cream. I'm going to live my best life now. I'm not making fun of anybody else. I'm just trying to say, if that's your perspective, then you'll have a problem trying to interpret this. Because what this is saying here is clear. You are to submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for Jesus' sake. Whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him, meaning the king, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Now, if we look at the structure here, he's given an explanation indicated by the word, therefore. He said, because of all these good things he talked about in verses 1 through 12, now you're to submit yourselves to the leader, to the authority. Submit. That's a word. Who likes submit up in here? No, I mean, I could just say submit, and and you have this stuff going on the inside of you. And right now you're saying, I'm not going to think about him right now. Right now, your brain is like, I'm not listening to this man, what he's preaching about, right? Be honest. Come on. Be real. You're thinking about, man, what I'm going to do after this is over. Man, is it still snowing outside? Like, I'm not going to listen to that word submit. Man, do I need new tires? Or, man, what am I going to watch? Like, submit. Can I penetrate your brain for a second? Submit for Jesus' sake. This is what you get rewards for. Right here. You don't get rewards when you do something you have the ability that that feels good. You you get rewards when you sacrifice. Here, you're to submit. Now, this isn't just the the president he's talking about. He's just not talking about the governor, the senator. He's talking about your teachers, your boss. Uh Uh-oh. Come back to me. Here we go. For, this is an explanation, once again, he's going to explain this, indicated by this word for. He's going to give you an explanation why. For this is the will of God. This is God's will. Now, if you are honest with me right now, you should be saying, this does not make any sense. 
Why should I have to submit to somebody who I don't agree with? Who doesn't like me? Who doesn't, in my mind, have my best interest in mind? And I'm like, you may be completely right. Maybe your president doesn't have your best interest in mind. But who are you submitting to? And why are you submitting? You're submitting because Jesus told you to submit. This is for his sake. Now, if you think in your brain, I came to God to have a better quality of life, you're going to not like any words that are coming out of my mouth. But it ain't about my words. It's about what's written right here. And if you're like, well, you don't really trust the Bible, that's a whole different conversation. Because if you don't trust God's word, then, then you saying you're God. You know better than God. You believe man knows better than God. So it's either you, you're in this conundrum, they say. Either you say, I reject God's word, or I say, I trust God's word to be true, and I'm going to agree with it and do what it says. But there ain't no middle ground here. Ain't is a West Virginia term. It may be in Minnesota as well. It's bad English, but it makes a good point. Ain't. Ain't no other point. You can't do anything else here. Either you submit to the president, the governor, the senators. Now, we're in a country today that it is like crazy. I've, I've been waiting to get to this for years. Now, I prepare these sermons how many years in advance? Two and a half years in advance. I'm, I'm being honest. So if you think I'm picking on you, it ain't me. The Lord. <laughs> That's how I get out of hard stuff, y'all. I prepared this sermon two and a half years last week. And you know how it was awesome last week? Is Lindsay here? I thought I saw her. Last week, we were preaching about the mist, right, in James. And I didn't even put two and two together until she came up at the end of the sermon and said, look, in my version, it says fog. And remember last Sunday, it was really what? Foggy. That's coincidence? No. That's confirmation that God is communicating. So if you've been having conversations about your president, I'm just trying to say what's, not <laughs> what's written there. So you can get, I, this is the, the part I get upset about a little bit. I remember when Barack Obama was president, and there were people like, oh, this is the devil, this is the antichrist, right? Obama, Obama. And don't talk about your president. That's what people are saying. Don't talk bad about your president because God has ordained the president, right? But there were people just nailing and wailing, talking about his policy, blah, being very disrespectful to the office. And, and I was trying to defend the president. I'm not pointing fingers at me. I'm trying to say what the scriptures say. But then this is when it got bad. When, when Trump became president, the very people who were saying defend the presidency started becoming exactly what they said that the other people were doing incorrectly. And what happened was on my Facebook page, all these young people started saying, I don't understand what's happening. My, my family and my pastor said, don't talk about the president. But now that Trump's president, they're, they're talking about him. And what happens, a lot of people start losing their trust in the church because of the behavior of their parents. And all I did was said, man, you know what? You know the right thing to do. You stay faithful. You honor God's word. I'm just saying. 
it goes on to say, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Why is this so important? Because what he's trying to communicate is this. If you're a Christian, don't let it be even once spoken about you that you talk negatively about the president. Because if you do as a Christian, they'll think we as Christians are trying to start a rebellion. And that's not Christianity because rebellion is like what? It's like witchcraft. When you're rebelling against the authority that God has said, that is biblically witchcraft. That's not my words. It's just the Bible. I know we ain't shouting. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. So, so the problem is, when you start talking negatively about authority, you're actually talking negatively about God. But, but from a human perspective, when stuff goes wrong, and there's like a big fight or a war or a catastrophe, who do you think is going to get blamed for it? The Christians. You're doing this. You're causing this mess. It's because of you. What happened when... Now, remember, this preceded the fire that Nero started. This fire is coming. And who got blamed for the fire? The Christians. So if none of these Christians talk negatively about Nero, whenever the Christians were brought on trial, brought to trial, no one could say, well, yes, you were talking bad about Nero. I know it's you. No, they couldn't say that because they were encouraged. They were praying for Nero. So why in the world are we going to try to penalize somebody who's praying for Nero? Like, obviously, he's for Nero or she's for Nero. But when you start talking negatively about your leader, then you put yourself in a very bad light. Hey, baby, I just saw a baby walking in by himself. Here we go. Verse 16, as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. So what he's saying here is this. You're free in Christ. You have liberty. You have opportunity. Now you're saved, you're set free, but don't start using that freedom as a place of pride to start talking negatively about other people who aren't saved. Yes, you're, like, I see Christians do it all the time. Oh, you're living right with Jesus Christ. Now you're pointing holes at everybody who aren't even Christians. You have the Spirit of God in you, and you know how hard it is to ever live right. But, and now you're talking negatively about people who you know who don't have God's Spirit in them. What are you doing? Of course they're going to mess up. Of course they're going to live contrary to God's will because they don't have God's Spirit inside of them. What are we doing? 17. Honor some people. Honor Vikings. Dishonor Packers. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, it says Bears. Oh, what am I doing? Broncos. No, honor all people. Why? Because every human being is created in God's image. They also have authority. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, if Peter said this in a vacuum, we'd be like, he's just pontificating. He's telling people to do hard stuff that he himself isn't going to do. Go back to your Bible and not to open it to John chapter 21. And remember, in John chapter 21, 
John is told, John and Peter walk with Jesus. And Jesus tells Peter, when you were young, you went where you wanted to go. But when you get older, somebody's going to take you by the hand and take you where you don't want to go. And then John comes in saying, indicating how Peter was going to die. Peter knows how he's going to die. Remember, he rejected Jesus. Remember, he denied him three times. And then, and then Peter looks at John and says, Lord, what about him? And Jesus says, what? What is it up to you if I let him live until I come back? You follow me. This is the part I want you to get. He just told him, this is how you're going to die. And then he says, what? Follow me. Oh, that's Jesus, you all. This is how you're going to die. You're going to be crucified. He steps forward. Follow me. Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. This is Peter talking. This is the next book, the next letter written to the same churches. Now, at this time, these false teachers are coming around saying, man, now that you're saved, you're free. You can make all the money you want. You can sleep around all you want. You can live the best life you want now. Peter's like, look, I want you to know all this stuff. For this reason, I will be not negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in this present truth, what he's talking about there, he just proceeded in verses 1 through 11 telling them how the process of sanctification works. And they're to stick in faithfulness to God and bear fruit and be loving and to be kind. But then he goes on to say, but in this stuff, I want you to know that I think it's right. As long as I am in this tent, what tent is he talking about? His body. 13 again, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that surely I must what? Put off my tent. You may think, well, he's not necessarily talking about his body. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me, Jesus showed him how he's going to die. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Peter isn't in a vacuum. He's not in the ivory tower. He's down there with them. He's telling him the very principles he has to live by himself. Peter himself is about to die. And he's trying to tell them suffering is a part of the process. Now, I'm not assigning suffering to anybody. I don't know what your life holds. I don't. But understand, if you do go through suffering, don't be shocked. That is normal for Christians to suffer. We may avoid it now, but there will be a time across the entire planet where it's unavoidable. 666. Nero. Right there. <laughs> I got a couple points. We're done for the day. We give authorities honor for the Lord's great glory. This is the hardest thing to do. When you are being done wrong, your response to that, in a sense, offense is essential. 
You may be from a marginalized people group, an oppressed people group. Nevertheless, you must understand this for yourself. It doesn't matter what the masses do. The Bible says the way to hell is what? Broad and wide. But the way to heaven is what? Straight and narrow. And that word is narrow is like a balanced beam. Everybody can't get on that. I wear a size 14. I struggle on the straight and narrow. I'm just being honest. I can't even like get on my knees and do it because I, I start shaking and my knees are all bad. I'm just all broken. But it's straight and narrow. So what I do is what the masses are doing, what the majority is doing, I always pause and pray. And I say, if everybody's thinking like that, maybe that's not right. We give authorities honor for the Lord's great glory. Political affiliations are not an excuse to dishonor those in authority. You may be a Democrat, you may be a Republican, you may be a Libertarian, you may be a new party. It doesn't matter. You have a responsibility as a Christian first to honor those in authority. You don't like the governor, you don't like the mayor. Understood. Honor the office. Because that office has been set in place by God. Honor all people. Agape, the brotherhood, fear God, honor those in authority. Those are the rocks word. You know, Peter was the first rock before Dwayne Johnson, just saying. That, that, those are that, the rock, the original rock, Peter. Now, we know Jesus was a, a, the Gibraltar. He was bigger than Peter, but that's what Jesus called him, Kephas. You can call him Pebble. It doesn't matter. He's still hard. He was tough. And he's like, look, this is how we win. He's about to die. Honor all people, Nero included. I wish I could say, look, there was a loophole here, but remember what happened to the Christians in the first 190 years? Persecutions. And you know what happened to the church during that time? It grew exponentially. And now in America, we're what? We're struggling we're like, what's going on with the church? You know what? The only place on the world, in the world, the church is receding. There's only one place, North America. It's shrinking here. Because we, for the last 70 years, have heard gospels of prosperity and plenty in the midst of warfare. And people, you want to hear it. I know the Bible says in the last day, people are going to get pastors. They're going to bring pastors who preach what they want to hear. People have itching ears. That's not what I want to hear. Preach something else. People leave churches all the time with the pastor. They ain't preaching the word they want. Tell me how to live my life now. Tell me to get my money now. Tell me to get it now. Me, me, me. This is about Jesus. It's not a deception. Like, this is obvious. You're going to choose Jesus or you're not. And if you choose Jesus, it's all about him. There's no sacrifice too great you can make for him. Not one. He asks us for our life even. The question is, is he worth it? Is he worth it? For the Lord's sake. Oh, for. Who did that? For the Lord's glory. Man, I wish, I wish this was like a Braveheart scene right now, right? Kayla, I have you, like, you be painted, you be blue, and I be blue. 
but I'm not like Mel Gibson has blue eyes, so that probably made it cooler, right? Because he had blue eyes. But nevertheless, we'd be painted. It'd be war. It'd be easy if it was just this open warfare where we knew exactly who the enemy was. We knew exactly who we needed to fight. We knew exactly how much ground we needed to take. We don't have that. It's like this big option we have, like a free world in a video game. Go where you want to go. Do what you want to do. And we're told to find this one straight, small, narrow path. And you see, you're like, it can't be it. That's too hard. Yes. With his grace, he can give you the ability to do all things according to his will. Even honor somebody, submit to somebody you think has your least interest in mind. We are commanded to honor all people created in the image of God. Everyone. To be honest, he's not just talking about the president or the governor or the senator, whether it's a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian, it doesn't matter if it's independent. We honor everyone as Christians. Those people who love us and those people who hate us. And that's important. We do it for Jesus' sake. Because if we don't honor all people, we're just like the world. And there's no difference. You have people in your life right now who hate you. Who don't like you. Who don't have your best interest in mind. You're human, of course. Pray for them, at least. Remember... For Christians, having diverse political affiliations is not just a foolish and disrespectful behavior toward those people or those in positions of authority. There's going to be a new president. Right now, I can go into your Facebook page and see the comments you were making about Barack Obama. That's what Facebook does. People are getting hung out to dry because of old tweets. Old tweets are coming back and nipping them in the bud. Right now, you can go back and check my stuff. Not that I'm brilliant. Or br- I, just, I just do what the Bible says. And it keeps me where God wants me to go. Doesn't mean I always come out on the top in this world. But in eternity, I'll be smiling. My hope is you'll be smiling back at me. Anybody learn something today? Throw something out there if you learn something. What'd you learn? God wants to respect the authority that's been placed. What difference does that make in your life? Anybody? Not about me. Not about me. Be obedient to God. Say it again. Watch what you post on Facebook because I got Facebook police out there. You are. <laughs> I would follow you some on face on Twitter. I see what you post, girl. Just saying. <laughs> now what? What can you do with what you've learned? Anybody? Live your life in a way that honors God. Doesn't mean it's easy. I used to hear this phrase, it's tight, but it's right. Christians, we're peculiar people. We're not like everybody else. Stop trying to be like everybody else. That's not going to work. That's why you've been messing up so much in life and things have been going the way you try to be like everybody and you're not like that. You are like Jesus, and he won't let you be like everybody else. He'll keep blowing up the plan until you realize he ain't going to let you be like the world. He loves you. He's fighting for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this time, Lord. This word was a tough one, but it was truth. And we embrace that truth. We bow our will to your will. We worship you right now. Lord God, search us. 
Change us where we need to be changed for your greater glory. In Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, just head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. I give you all my heart. I am breathing